1: Nassau
0: Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Writers. What's going on, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of the Nassiman Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Writers Podcast Network. I'm one of your co-hosts, James Nichols, and as always, I'm here with my buddy, John Zella. What's going on, John?
1: Not a whole lot. Made the trek down here to Long Island. I'm living amongst all of you mutants driving in your traffic and eating your carbs, Um, having having a really good time. I haven't been home in a a long time, so it feels good to be back. Yeah, man, we're uh, getting excited for
0: uh, a possible meetup, you know, later on today, as you're probably listening to this, we're recording on a Tuesday night per usual, but uh, planning on meeting up to uh, today as you're hearing this and possibly hitting up. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, and let's talk about our sponsors for a minute. Today's episode is brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, makers of the Barn Rocker, the official beer of the New York Islanders. Oyster Bay Brewing is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to its nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. Their products are thoroughly New York at heart, blending new and old world techniques with creativity and style. Head to OysterBayBrewing.com to see the full lineup of amazing beers and hard seltzers and pick up some merch to represent one of Long Island's best breweries. You can also follow them on Twitter and Instagram at oysterbaybrewin, no G, and visit their brewery at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay seven days a week. Oyster Bay, going to head there tomorrow, pick up your barn rockers. Game two tomorrow, Islanders versus Flyers. Uh, great, great great game one. We will talk about that in a little bit, but there was a lot of things that went down in the NHL uh, this week. Only eight teams remaining. Uh, Islanders are one of those eight teams. I know a lot of uh, outside of New York Islander fans are probably wondering how that's possible, and we'll we'll actually talk about that later, too. Um, but first, let's talk about what's going on over in Vegas. Um, a little controversy between the pipes. Yeah, something's going on there. You know, Robin Lander's playing great. Um, and you know that this is what happens when you get to the postseason, right? Someone's going to take over. No, you know I, the one A one B goalie system has been, you know, kind of in place for I would say the better half of the past three years now, um, and it's it's becoming more and more of a regular thing for NHL teams. But when you get to the postseason, coaches
1: tend to ride the hot hand.
0: So well, now. He, he-
1: Here's the thing, too. This, the trade deadline was in what? February? Yes. So the GM in February, prior to all of this, thought the team needed goal insurance. So he wasn't 100% confident in Flurry, anyway. Okay. So, I mean, this is, this is not just a right now thing. This was, he did this in case Fleury, who hasn't played great, didn't play great. And now you have insurance and you, you're able to bring this guy in um, and he's standing on his head. You know, he's playing really well. Yeah. He's got a great team in front of them. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think that they're they're playing a team in Vancouver that, um, you know, they're rebuilding and I give them all the all the credit in the world for being St. Louis. But um, Vegas is just so deep. Um, but, you know, Leonard is also playing his role. I think they won the first game 5-0. So, like I said, I, I, I think it's a, a matter of the GM not necessarily having the confidence way back then. And now you're seeing why they did that. Yeah, I mean, and now fast forward to what's going on. Robin Lehner is
0: outplaying uh, Marc-Andre Florey. And, you know, Florey's getting a little up there in age, you know, as far as uh, hockey player age goes. You know, so... It's not a surprise to see him starting to slow down. Still a great situation for Vegas to have both Flory and Uh, Lanner, uh But, you know, Alan Walsh, Marc-Andre Flory's uh, representation, uh, his tweeted out this. <laughs> it looked like a, a, a painting, right? It was, is that what it was? It was a, he had like a painting made of? I, I
1: think it was just really photoshopped. And they could have been, put, yeah. Put this sword through it with DeBoer's name on it, and right. Um, I, in the interview with Flurry, who wasn't playing, so this would have been Sunday night. So he wasn't even playing the game. And for all intents and purposes, he's the backup goalie on the Zoom interview call, uh-huh. getting getting questions about this, and um, he said something along the lines of that his agents just. Trying to have his back, um, and then there were two questions about if they were working together, and he didn't answer either of them. Um, my feeling is that it, you know, and from what I've heard on other on other shows, just kind of trying to dissect this, it's hard to believe that they weren't just because if they if they weren't working together, I feel like Flurry fires Walsh like that's the next tweet sent out. Yeah, uh, so I don't. It's definitely weird. It's a different approach, but for you know, looking at the Mitch Marner situation um, and his agent, you know, stirring the pot for so long until Mitch is like, "Look, I want to play," and then the deal gets done in two days. Yeah. You know, so they 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 work very closely together. So it's I don't know. There's definitely more to it than what we know.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting because like the the following day, you know, Robin Lehner went on the record saying, "Oh, me and you know, mark andre Flory were we we were laughing about it, you know, just a couple of minutes ago. Um, it's in no way going to affect Florey's stance with the team. He's going to continue um, you know, being with them in in the edmonton bubble and and moving forward. there's no, you know, no, nothing's coming moving forward regarding it. and And I do believe that the tweet was eventually deleted, But I mean, it was out there such a long time that. Other people have it and screenshotted it. It's out there. People have it. It's not going away. It was so it was all. It was everywhere. Like I know, as soon as I saw it, I sent it to you. And your first, the first thing that came out of your mouth was, "Agents are wild now."
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe it's maybe it's just social media. I I don't remember even a number of years ago, maybe two or three years ago, that this was happening. That we even knew who agents were. It's it's crazy that they've come to the forefront and there's uh, Alan Walsh and Pat Brisson and a lot of these agents are really big names in the hockey yeah. world. They're probably not household names but for, ho- you know, for some hardcore hockey fans, you definitely know who they are. We knew who John Tavares' agent was. Um, <laughs> we should know who Barzell's agent is. Um, it was important that Varlamov's agent was the same at some point as um, Ilya Sorokin. So like, Agents have just come into the forefront where we're 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 finding this information and we're trying to like, you know, we're like Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with all the string on the wall, trying to figure out the conspiracy theory and how how to make things work and who's talking to who and why it's important and all this kind of stuff. So, um, it's it's definitely an interesting time. I don't I don't remember a time outside of the last couple of years where this was happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, we definitely know who Ilya an agent is now, Dan Milstein, because. He he's been pretty uh, uh, all over social media, you know, ever since Sorokin was a free agent, and then you know all that came about, um, tweeting out all the images for him, and it was his birthday, and hashtag we are gold star. So Dan Milstein's been all over the map, uh, and you're totally totally right. Uh, agents are evolving, I guess. You know, they used to just be these behind the scenes guys, like you know they they got the contract's done for the players and everything like that. But now it's like, you know, they're so outspoken. And so I guess social media will do that, you know? I mean, everybody turns to social media, and I guess they kind of use it as a weapon, you know? That was intended, obviously, to be a statement. And it it certainly was. I mean, it got everyone buzzing. You know, I know Elliot Friedman even quote tweeted it and was like, oh, wow. Like, he was shocked to see it, so it worked yeah. whatever he did it worked
1: i don't know what the turning point was because the sour cap you know outside of the the pandemic was going up uh players were demanding more um a little bit earlier and so you have these agents trying to defend these much younger players with a lot you know a good track record but not a very long track record and i don't know i don't know what cocktail was mixed together to make all that all this kind of happen it's um it's a weird time uh and i think we all have a lot of time on our hands now and we're like all paying attention to all this stuff (laughs) so it's very easy for this to blow up um every time uh an agent or any you know anything in hockey even the smallest things get kind of blown out of proportion although this was very strange um yeah definitely unprecedented but Again, the Flurry's numbers during this just have not been very good. Leonard is out playing, and that's just the name of this. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk later. Just kind of the name of this game about the Islanders and Trots and uh, what he did or didn't like, and who might be in the lineup and how they kept changing things. You and I keep talking about this during every single game. You know, we're, di- <laughs> we're we seem to be dissecting the lineup or really just the third line and trying to figure out, you know, what what's going on there. But um you know in in the playoffs you you got to go you know when something's working you just have to roll with it until um hopefully you win a game and can make a change instead of losing a game when yeah. they they matter so much more and make that change because then you're on the defensive you're on your heels a little bit and you're making a change as a reaction to something bad instead of being proactive to say we got to keep moving this forward you know we played well but we could take it another step um, and that's what the honors have been doing frankly yeah they've been able to kind of make these changes um, while, while playing pretty good, but we'll, we'll get to that.
0: Yeah, and uh, speaking of making a change, NBCSN has been forced to make a change because Mike Milbury, uh, after a plethora of backlash on social media, has chosen to step away from broadcasting the the remainder of the Stanley Cup playoffs for his uh, remarks that he made on uh, a live broadcast. Uh, I forget which game was the, playing. The other game. Was it during the Islander game? I believe
1: it was game five.
0: Okay, yeah. So, you know, he made that obvious stupid remark about, you know, the the guys having no distractions in the bubble because there's no women there. Um, tons and tons of backlash all over social media. Um, and, and I saw a large um, movement of that backlash come from a lot of women reporters uh, with The Athletic and and, and – even NHL Network, um, a ton of them were like, I'm sick of this. And, you know, rightfully so. Like, you know, that shouldn't be the first thing that comes out of your mouth when talking about why a player is so focused. Um, So, you know, it was right that he stepped away. It will be interesting, though, to see how NBCSN handles this going forward. Is he going to be back for the 2020-21 season?
1: I think there's two, two things on this. Um, the first one being when a, re- when a reporter or TV personality says something on air. To me, and I think a lot of other people, it means that they're probably saying worse things off the air. So yeah. Something they can take into consideration, I think. And I never heard the quote. And I don't. Was it the Reds? play-by-play, play. it was someone in baseball, some team's um, radio host, or t- maybe TV broadcast host, mm-hmm. said some, um, I don't know if it was homophobe, whatever it was. Oh, this and, was and, recently, right? Yeah, and he, and then he apologizes on the air. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you're saying things that freely, that's a huge problem. That sure. means that it's the, chances are behind closed doors, you're saying really bad things, and not to go on a huge tangent, but I did skate the other night um, poorly. But I skated the other night at Iceland <laughs> in wherever, whatever town that is in Huntington. And, um, you know, I, I can't believe what I heard out there. Still, I can't believe what I heard out there. So this, oh. is, this is hockey culture continuing to do a terrible job at changing. And these are people, you know... In their 30s these are um, these these are uh, by all accounts smart people people I've known for a long time yeah and whoo is it upsetting and that it kind of goes into my next thing is that if you can't see why an employer can and will fire or suspend someone for saying something anything that doesn't align with their values I'm not sure we can have a conversation that would happen if I work at a bar and they told us, do not say these things, you know, about masks or this, because, pe- you know, it's for whatever reason, it's controversial. Spoiler, it's not. Just wear your mask. But <laughs> we're not supposed to talk about it. Just nod your head, blah, blah, blah. If I went and then said something that didn't align with the values and was something that was explicitly said to me not to do, they'd let me go. Right. It's in the thing I signed. That's just how it works. And I don't know why anyone's surprised by this. Right. And this isn't even... There was an article where it went on this whole laundry list of things Millberry has done. On the air, off the air. And we... And I... As their fans, we all know that he's off his rocker. Yep. Um And if this is the... If this was the last straw, good riddance. We talked about it when he went off about Tuka Rask a couple weeks yep. ago. Yep. Um... It's an old-school kind of mentality. His whole shtick is just tired. Um, It's this whole, this generation is soft, and and it's just He just doesn't
0: bring anything to the table that relates to anything in the game or people today. So I'm just, you know, I guess he's contractually obligated to, you know, finish out whatever he has to in his contract, but... Nobody likes listening to him or seeing him on television.
1: He doesn't know that he's bad. Oh, I know. How long was he involved with the Islanders? Oh, I know. If he knew he was bad, he would have stepped away. Or if he had any emotional intelligence and self-awareness at all, he he would have stepped away or made actual changes for the organization. He has no idea. And that's part of the problem, right? People that say these types of things don't know that they're even doing something wrong and that's terrible. You know, they're making these unconscious decisions. Yeah. Because that's just what they were taught or whatever. I I don't I don't know and I don't know. They they apologize so quickly and it feels so programmed. And and this is in the midst of everything that's going on and all the social change. I don't know how I don't know how you say that. If I was NBC, I would have taken him off that broadcast. The yeah. next TV timeout, I said, Milbury got a stomach bug, see you later. And I would have gave him the hook right off the right off the broadcast. Mm-hmm. There's no, There was no reason for that. Yep. But uh, you have a guy that just keeps running his mouth. And if anyone's sitting there going, oh, wow, I can't believe he said that, um, I urge you to just go Google Mike Milberry real quick and, and figure that out. Obviously, you, sure you haven't seen
0: enough about this guy because <laughs> yeah, enough is enough with him
1: yeah I, I i finally good riddance. I mean he was gonna dig his own grave eventually it it happens yeah. sooner, sooner than some of us would have thought but um good get him out of here yeah um
0: you know I, I, it might have it might have been you know a day or two later uh that the we we actually don't even have this on script, but I'm gonna go a little off script here. um the capitals fired Todd Reardon um so capitals are without a head coach and somebody had said who should the next coach of the capitals washington capitals b wrong answers only and of course i tweeted a picture of mike milbury uh with his first ever uh twitter picture where he's holding up a shoe like he was gonna hit somebody with it and
1: that right there i'm like
0: does that not scream that this guy has a problem (laughs) do you know that story
1: with the milbury yeah mike he's hit somebody with a shoe before like i know that was the whole thing that's what i'm
0: saying I'm like, does that does this not scream a problem that he's doing this right now? And now he's on social media. Oh, you know what? But let's have him on primetime Stanley Cup playoff broadcasts.
1: He also probably brags to people that he beat his kids. Probably, (laughs) you know, he's that like, I was tough with my kids right? you know, like, you know, trying to be his grumbly kind of like like he's some like World War Two vet or something. Not that that's right Right. either. But um, yeah, he's he's a huge problem. The, The only other wrong answer would have been Pierre Maguire, but. That, too, but, you know, I I really went with a pick your poison there. Um. Um, That would have been. (laughs) You know what? I only I almost you want to see it happen because there's some comedic value, but I I I wouldn't want to see him anywhere near modern players or a rink and then answering questions after a game. Like, look, we have a torts and his stick is even tired and Tortorella and Columbus his he's the, uh, you know, one of the last of a dying breed. Uh, of, of that type of coach who deals with the press. And um, we have one of those we don't need to. but Yeah.
0: Um, on the other end of the spectrum, some interesting news that I heard um, about a possible uh, managerial position or coaching position. Um, I had heard Kevin Weeks, former Islanders goaltender, is actually uh, looking to get into that aspect of the game. He's been a longtime uh, anchor on NHL Network. Uh, he was a longtime NHL goaltender. Um, so now he's looking to get into the, the managerial position or or uh, a coaching position. So good luck to Kevin Weeks. Um, His and name like was I said, around for the Panthers, no? I think it was. I think you're right. I think that's uh, um, a possibility, although I do know that much like the Capitals, the Panthers are looking to add somebody with experience. So although Kevin Weeks is an experienced goaltender and analyst, I don't know if he has uh, the credentials that they're looking for. Regarding experience in
1: coaching or managing, there's something to be said about a GM with experience, but um, they also hired Dale Talon. I mean, That's... and then so maybe don't do that. I don't. I don't know. i mean, There's. You're on a roll tonight, pal. There's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think. I think a lot of teams do that. I mean, then you know, then you can also look at John Chaka or Kyle Dubis. Um, who were new who were really young who were yeah. um, relied heavily on analytics and um, you know that isn't really working out I would say in both situations and then you look at the islanders who you have somebody that's been in the business for 30 years or longer in Lou Amarello, um, I think it has to do more with the fit than the person it's yeah, Lou came in with a team that was very malleable, that needed direction, that uh, that had a you know a fairly young core that just never really had somebody there uh, giving them kind of really strong guidance. And right. he came in and he provided that structure. Trotz came in and provided that structure, and and that's why it's working. It's just the right person at the right time. Yeah. Um. In Florida, uh, you know they have some UFA's. Like I think. It's tough. It's kind of like the chicken or the egg. I, I don't know who, I don't know what you do first. Do you do you have someone kind of step in as an interim and kind of work the offseason and then try to find someone that's going to fit and, and create the structure? Or do you do it before? Um, yeah. But you, you kind of need to know who that person is going to be and how they're going to run the team. Yeah. Um, not everyone can love how Lou or even Trotz runs the team. Um, you know, there was always this stuff floating around about the caps players, not loving trots, but then you see the owner of the team saying that that was a a huge loss, not having trots come back. Right. So, So
0: let's, you know, let's talk about that real quick. Todd, you know, like I said before, Todd Reardon, uh, let go. He had another two years left on his contract. Um, but he will not be the Washington Capitals head coach moving forward. Um, they have to be the Capitals organization, uh, has to be kicking themselves about this. You know, <laughs> look at what Barry Trotz has done since winning a Stanley cup with the Capitals. And then they let him walk. He took a team that everyone had thought was done because their, their superstar player had left and, and they had nothing essentially uh, to work with there. He, he brings them to the second round of the playoffs at least now twice um and, and he creates this structure that is just so hard to play against. Man, uh, people are finally starting to realize, and you know, we'll get there. Uh, just what kind of a job he has done with getting that every player on the Islanders doesn't matter who it is to buy into this system. Um, people are starting to notice. Like, okay, the Islanders are legit the Capitals have to be absolutely kicking themselves. They fired Todd Reardon two years after, uh, you know, being behind the bench, and, and, and Trotz is just thriving. He thoroughly outcoached
1: Reardon in, in that first round. Um, and, you know, now now
0: Reardon, Todd Reardon does not have a job.
1: I, th- I think with Trotz on that team where you had somebody like Ovechkin, um, again, who needed that structure and how to, yeah. how to play better. And I'll, I'll tell you the truth. You you still saw Ovechkin playing that way, a lot you know a superstar blocking shots like that you know pure goal scorer blocking shots the way that he did and his dedication to the you know defensive side of the puck was was awesome and that's definitely a holdover from from Trot but you know you see this this Washington team you know lose last year in the first round and this year in the first round to these very structured teams in Carolina and the Islanders. And you have to think that Trots is that missing piece. They kind of look like they did in the years leading up to the Cup, where they could never get over this first, second round hump, and they were always yeah. knocked out by the Penguins or the Rangers or Tampa Bay or or somebody like that. And the the Capitals teams were always really, really good, at least on paper. They had the firepower, right. whether yeah. it was you know from Semin to Oshie uh, as kind of those secondary. Scores to Backstrom and Ovechkin. They they've had the goaltending, although Hopeley's not what he used to be. Um, by and large, they had the defense. I love the pickups that they had a couple of years ago, solidifying that and Orpik and Niskanen. Um, yeah, you know, having that experience with the Penguins, um, you know, getting them over that hub. You know, they they had you know this X factor in Tom Wilson. They're still a really good team. You know, during the regular season, it's just sure. There's there's something about what that changeover is in uh, playoff hockey, and you, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it's the same problem, and in uh, Tampa Bay as well. You just yeah. have, uh, I believe, Boston beat them in in Game One, um, yeah, three to two, and there's just something about the the Carolinas, the Boston's, the Islanders, even the Columbus Blue Jackets type teams where they. When you're playing playoff hockey all, all season, and that kind of grind, grind them out game, and um, just just playing tough hockey, even if you weren't super successful, right? The Islanders, Columbus, you know, they they're in the six, seven, eight spots. Um, they know how to lock it down in the playoffs. Yeah. And there's a lot of teams that don't get that. There's just I don't yeah. want to say dedication because I feel like that takes something away, but there's just something. Missing, and um, it might be coaches. Those, those yeah. teams have those teams have really good coaches.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like we saw, Trot's far and away out coached Todd Reardon in, in that first round, um, and and you know, I, I did say before people are starting to notice. Um, you know, the Islanders are are, are a legitimate contender, uh, and, and and I feel like that's that's new as of, I think. The past couple of days, you know, I, 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 going off script one more time, I was listening to the other day uh, driving Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Uh, you know, that's that's Sportsnet's uh, one, one of their podcasts. And they're talking about the Washington Capitals and the Islanders and the Islanders had already you know, beaten the Capitals uh, to take the series. And there was one positive thing that came out of that whole broadcast and that was brian burke talking about adam pellick and he said quoted adam pellick is an elite defender great the rest of the conversation was you know i wouldn't be surprised if you know john carlson was hurt the capitals didn't show up they weren't uh inspired to play no one got them out of bed to play this and that and the other thing, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, are we serious right now in in talking about how that series went? Instead of looking at how well coached the team was, how well they executed their system, how well they played as a a group, we're going to make excuses for the Washington Capitals that they didn't show up or they must have been hurt. Not that the Islanders were fantastic, but that the Capitals just didn't show
1: up. They weren't inspired to play. Get out of here with that. I, I couldn't agree more, and I do. I, I get aggravated at that. But one of my new favorite sayings is two things can be true. The Capitals could have played bad, and the Islanders could have played very well. You know, it, it was just a because per- it wasn't even close. Yeah. You know— um, the Islanders had to play a bad game and the, and flip the script on the series in Game Four for the Capitals to win three to two. It wasn't even like that was they got blown out of the water. It was just that they they lost the game. The other games were pretty handily in the Islanders' favor when you look at the underlying numbers and right. expected goals and state percentages five on five and all that kind of stuff. Two things can be true: the Islanders can play very well, and the Capitals can play very poorly as they did and that gives you this that gives you the result it's not just one team going about their business and the other one not showing up so the one team that went about their business wins that's just not how it works right um it doesn't surprise me and you know what i think for the islanders it's good that they're the underdog they want to go into every game sure thinking that they have something to prove um i hope yeah, I, you know, I think that that's super, that's something that even, you know, going back, and I referenced this on a podcast early, you know, something, we were up to episode 24, so a number of ep- episodes ago, about how Zinn and Kanapka did the same thing with TSN a couple of years ago, that, you know, dials don't get any respect, and yeah. it's, the, you know, they have a great organization and all that kind of stuff. You know, they've always been in that spot, and that's fine. Yeah. I don't think the team cares about that, because... No, they don't.
0: Um, they absolutely don't.
1: And they play with that fire they did all last year, and they've taken it to another level. This is a team that has a lot of camaraderie. They're having a great time together. I'm sure they're missing their families, sure. Um, sure. But they're they're truly embracing it, and you can you can just tell that this is a. It's not only just a well-oiled machine, but um, all the parts were created, you know, very with a lot of intention, and they were put together with a lot of intention. Right, and that's where um, it can't just—it's not just putting the oil on the machine. That's the coach making sure everything vibes together. Right. But this team was put together better than we thought. I mean, I think if you look at this team going into the season, um, if we start, started the podcast in back in in October, I think we sit there and go, oh, "Man, I really wish they would have added more." I yeah. really wish it was more than Broussard, and now we're like Ross Johnson. <laughs>
0: Right, I know. I know. You know. We also Ross like. Man, I can't
1: believe this guy's got one by four. Like, I, <laughs> you know, like, I can't believe you know Kamarab, Oh my God, uh, you know,
0: I, both of those players. And we'll again, we'll get there. Talk about the the game one. Fantastic, absolutely fantastic. But we'll we'll get there in a second because the other thing, and you're gonna eat this up too. Uh, Pierre Maguire on TSN six ninety was quoted saying. Something must be wrong with Claude Giroux. He may be injured. He doesn't look like himself because he's not looking 100%. And again, here we go. Oh, the Flyers lost game one to the Islanders? Something must be wrong with the Flyers. No. No. The Flyers are a great team. Not taking anything away from them. Do they have the best defensemen on the ice In this series, I would say yes. I think Ivan perl is the best defenseman. Do they have the best defense of the teams on the ice? No. Overall, the Islanders' defense is better. Do they have the best structure? They have a very good structure. I think the Islanders, far and away, have a better structure. They just play a better system. And they've proven it over and over and over again. But again, we get these narratives. Something must be wrong with the other
1: team. Okay, fine. It, that very well may be the case, and um, he was a ghost out there. I'll say that uh, Voracek sure. and Konechny, I think were the only two players that I heard their name multiple times, and it mainly for Konechny's case, it was that you know he hasn't scored yet in the playoffs or something, and he was getting frustrated. Right. Um. But you know Voracek made a couple really good plays. Um. They're a good team. I'm not gonna, you know, there's a reason why they they snuck in that number one spot in the round robin, uh, and that kind of that, whatever you want to call it, um, they were one of the top three teams in the metro going in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a reason for that. They're they're a good team, but um, the Islanders are just kind of hitting their stride at the right time. Yeah. And like I said, two things can be true. You you, the Islanders are just playing really well and. I think, and I'll you know, and I'll say this now, I think any Islander fan would get a tattoo of an asterisk if it meant they were gonna win the cup. <laughs> I don't think that it matters no you know what the situation is. And at this point, and I was thinking about this yesterday during the game, at this point, I don't you know, the bubble situation and that kind of mental wear I think is really tough. But when you're in the playoffs anyway, you're not going out and you're you're pretty much Unless you have multiple days off in the playoffs, if you know if you win a series early or something, you're not really like going out and golfing and everything anyway right i think it i think it's i don't think it's quite like lockdown, but i I don't know that it's as freewheeling as maybe people think like this maybe isn't that different right as I... far as playoffs concerned. So, uh, you know, and then the style apply. play, everyone's had multiple series at this point. Tons of games. Um, although the Islanders have played, I think, a little less games just because they've closed out series a little quicker. True. And maybe maybe by one or two games, not even by a whole right. lot. Because I think not series didn't go to seven. I don't think any series went to seven games. No, I think uh, in, in the, six. In the first round. So, if anything, the Islanders have played maybe one or two less games than, than right. other teams. But everyone's kind of played their games. They've all settled in. They know what's going on. Yes, the emotional mental part of it is, is different and tough and you're away from your family. And, um, But, yeah, I think everyone should be at least hitting their stride and playing some good hockey. There's no excuse where there's been a layoff for whatever. We've right. all been playing for you know a month now. Um, maybe it's not mid-season form, but it's pretty good hockey. I'm not seeing a whole lot of mistakes out there that you wouldn't see anyway. Right, exactly. Now, let's fast forward a little bit. And, you know,
0: over the past couple of days, I saw excuses for why X Team lost to the Islanders. Well, Mike Kelly of NHL Network comes out with a fantastic video today talking about I've been seeing a lot of uh, comments on Twitter talking about how the Islanders are boring to watch. He's like, let me stop you all in your tracks right now. And he posts a bunch of uh, graphics of how they're. You know, third in, in the NHL right now in the, in the playoffs with the uh, you know best the third best offensive expected goals for uh, in, in a game. Like they're they're doing fantastic on on an offensive front, which is unexpected by us. You know, and as as Islander fans, we don't expect them to have really great offense, but it's they they do right now. They have great offense, and then he comes out with another graphic. Uh, that has the expected goals against, and they're number one in the league. They have the best expected goals against at like 1.3 goals a game. They don't give up goals for anything. They are a well-oiled machine on defense. He says, uh, and this is again Mike Kelly of the NHL Network, his his best quote in this two-minute video was the only thing that's boring about this team is that the other teams can't score on them. And good for the Islanders. And I 100% agree with that. This is fun, right? If you're an Islander fan, you're having the most fun you've ever had since 1983. Because we haven't played this well in a long time. We haven't gone this deep into a playoff run with this much positivity since the 80s. It's been such a long time. Winning is fun. And the way they're doing it, whether you like it or not, it's working. And if this isn't fun for you, that just means you're not an Islander fan and we're beating you or your team is eliminated and you're not that interested anyway. So get used to it because this is Islander hockey and they're winning.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the stats kind of speak to themselves and the Islanders are just playing out of their minds. Um, Sean Tierney of Charting Hockey had... Had a stat the other day that Verlamas facing only 2.2 expected goals per game, and he's not letting he's not getting beat on low quality attempts. And then you look at his numbers um, so far in the playoffs in ten games. He's a 1.5 goals against average. Right. You know, so that speaks to so not they're they're only letting that letting up over two goals a game in expected goals, and they buy seven tenths of a percent. Right. Or by whatever. So, not a math guy. So, I think, <laughs> I think that's really important too. Is that like, the numbers are saying that they should still be winning, and they're winning by a better margin. Like they're they're yeah. outplaying even their numbers, at what they're what they're charting out to be. Um, yeah, I, I they're that first game. I think uh, if you want to get into some game one notes. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: do it. Let's do. It
1: who would have guessed the Islanders would be the team absorbing an offensive push by another team <laughs> Not and me. responding with a goal? Or and how long did we watch this team desperately try to score? And I said, I think I texted this to you yeah. before the game. I hope that they don't have this big offensive push and then Drew just comes down and lights them lights him up. Or Voracek just comes down and lights them yep. up. Yep. And it was the other way. other Completely and the other way. How long have we watched this team suffer through this right and where they were this young team that just had some firepower but um and and some ability to finish but they just run into a good team so and finally, okay it seems, are we that good team it's so it's yeah crazy. It, it's starting to get to that
0: point now i will say that second period was a tough one they looked pretty deflated and i I don't know what it is you know (laughs) about this team that if they have momentum you know i know when i'm sitting on the couch and i'm watching i'm like oh man there's only two minutes left in this period we're buzzing we could really use another goal the period ends and i'm like ah, we didn't get that goal i wonder what team is going to come out for the second period are we going to get the team that's going to keep the the pedal to the metal are we going to keep you know that that offensive pressure going on that 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 tough four check going or are we going to come back out and we're going to be on our heels they sort of were on their heels when that second period started um they didn't generate much i think
1: they were largely outshot that period like something like 15 shots to seven they flipped it from when they were in the first period they outshot them 15 to 4 and then they got outshot 15 to 4 something along those lines and i i think and it would be interesting i wish i kept track of it that when the Islanders don't start that fourth line in the, in the, at the beginning of a period, in this case, it was because they were on the power play. Um, oh, yeah. They, they don't get that moment, that same kind of spark to start the period. and they That's a good point. Didn't, they didn't generate anything. I think Eberle yeah. had the only shot attempt. Maybe there was another one. And it was blocked. And I think they went back the other way and had their own scoring opportunity. Yeah, that's a really good point. So then you lose the momentum in the beginning of a period. You know, honest power play is just, um, if there's one thing you can nitpick, it's just, I don't understand how you can have such great structure and off the rush you can score and all these different things. It's like they shouldn't be as methodical. It's like they should just try to score off the rush on the PK. Stop (laughs) this looping through the neutral zone and these drop passes because then you get the other team kind of stacked up on their blue line. If they actually tried to just score off the rush and treat it like five on five, they may have some success, but it, to start that period, I think they just didn't have, they, they kind of shot themselves in the foot without, and they couldn't get the momentum. Yeah, That was, to me, that was the big thing.
0: Yeah, luckily, Semyon Barlamov was outstanding in this game, and Carter Hart was great. I, I have to say, without him, that game could have been, after the first period, easily for nothing. But Semyon Barlamov was equally, if not a little bit better than, than Carter Hart. Carter Hart's still young. He's like 20. So he's got plenty plenty of time left to, you know, impress you and I um, in his career. But Semyon Barlamov was outstanding. Um, He comes out with a a second straight shutout uh, in back-to-back games in the the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's, you know, not an easy task. And uh, he's one, I think he's 40 seconds shy, 40 seconds shy of beating Billy Smith's record of consecutive shutout minutes so within the first minute of game two tonight he will possibly have broken that record
1: i think the big thing um and you saw this with leonard you see it with grice and and his transformation although i think grice has always kind of had it in him um and Vorlamov has been pretty consistent although this is the best these are the best playoff numbers he's ever had yeah um especially at, at kind of his age, I think that's, that's super important that he was able to take this step, and it speaks to the honors coaching staff. Yes, thank you, you, Pierre just... Greco and Mitch Korn. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, we all need to send them a fruit basket or something. <laughs> um, bagels. Blue lines. That's right. Um, what was I thinking? Um, you just you watch Forlamov, and he's not making these big kind of highlight reel saves. Because he's just in position. he's exactly. very He's very calm. No exaggerated movements. Um, he's challenging. And, you know, when he does let in a goal, which seems to be few and far between these days. But when he does let in a goal, it's because he's not at the top of his crease. Or mm-hmm. he's not playing. You know, it's these li- very little things that you can kind of just tell. You, you know what happened. You know what led to it. Um, You know, beside any kind of defensive breakdown or whatever, um, he he just wasn't playing something correctly. But on a lot of those shots, like, I know he's not seeing them, but he's just in position. He's challenging. Yeah. And he's calm, cool, and collected, you know, to use a cliche. He doesn't seem like he's not fighting pucks off, you know, rebounds are going into the corners. Very rarely is there kind of a second opportunity anyway, because the you know Islanders defense clears that puck um, and and makes it go the other way pretty quickly. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of amazing to watch.
0: Yeah, after the game yesterday, Andy Green, who also had a fantastic game, uh, was talking about Varlamov's play, and he's like, he's making all the saves that you know we need him to make, and even you know even those pucks that he's not seeing they just seem to be hitting him anyway. And it's just because he's in such good position. He's just doing a really good job of putting himself where he needs to be. So, like you said, nothing spectacular where he's had to, you know, come across the crease like Carter Hart did in in the first period and absolutely stole a a goal from Brock Nelson. Nothing like that. But he hasn't needed to do that just because he's been so good with his positioning. And that, that speaks volumes to how good of a goaltender he actually is. If he doesn't need to be out of position and make that
1: highlight real save, it just means that he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And, you know, he does do it. And you, I think we've seen it maybe in these playoffs. It's so just not very often that he needs to make those heroic saves. But he right. is capable of that. Exactly. Um, on, on that Brock Nelson goal, uh, or the, the Carter Hart save, rather, yeah. Uh, on Brock Nelson, I was disappointed to see Nelson hanging out, below the goal line by himself. Like, he was waiting for that play to happen, and then he had to step out and then take the shot instead of just being there. He gave Carter Hart way too much time, not taking anything away from that save, uh-huh. but Nelson didn't help his case there. Um, he had to step out and shoot instead of just being able to even redirect the puck in five-hole or, um, you know, a quick, quick release just to get it you know up and over the pad there. He gave yeah. him all this time to come over, you know, and I say all this time. It really wasn't. <laughs> it's like a half but, a second. <laughs> but that makes a huge difference. Like it does. It does. His, Nelson, you know, Carter Hart, all in, like I said, all the credit in the world, he put his glove up because that's just what he could cover, and that's what you're supposed to do. Um, so that's what Nelson had to shoot at. He didn't have time to get higher than that. So N- Hart played the percentages, and he won. And but Nelson kind of didn't help his own case there, and I I remember watching that play and, and just kind of confused like why was he standing so low when mm-hmm. where the puck was he he definitely should have been a little bit higher, um, at least not below the goal line. Yeah. I, that was confusing to me. And I think another thing about Andy Green, um, I saw some video or or some audio about from, from Sean Avery of all people, Sean Avery commenting on Andy Green that he looked like some history teacher or something from Portland, Oregon. <laughs> like He's going on <laughs> hikes on the weekend. And I was like, oh, I kind of like that. He seems like just like a down-to-earth guy. Like, but yeah, he, he played out of his mind too. And, um, out of his mind. What, four blocks, what, what a
0: story. Four blocks. He had a goal. First goal in 10, first postseason goal in 10 years, 10 seasons. Good for Andy Green. I mean, he's he played his way into the lineup. Uh, Johnny Boychuk was injured, I think, in Game One against the Capitals, right? Or was it against the Panthers? Capitals. Capitals. Uh, right? I don't know. I think it was against the Panthers.
1: It feel the Panthers series seems so so long ago. Long I know. Ago. I think it was Game One
0: against the Panthers, and Andy Green came in. He played out of his freaking mind, and has played out of his freaking mind ever since and has just played his way into staying in the lineup. And he's just been so solid, so consistent. He's that veteran presence. And this doesn't surprise me. My, one of my best friends is a, a big devils fan and I watch a lot of devils hockey and this is what he does. He blocks shots. He's defensively sound. He makes the bright plays in his own end and he'll, he'll, chip in on, on the offense when, when needed. So he gets that big first goal, big momentum swing for the Islanders. That second period was iffy. Then that third period comes. Let's talk about Ross, the boss. What? I, I can't even understand. You know, when, when, <laughs> when the lineups came out, everyone was like, why is Ross Johnston playing? Well, that, we know why now. Because he, he knows his role, right? And I wrote this in an article Yesterday, his role is to throw his body out there, throw the hit, get the guy off the puck and get it back. What does he do? Throws his body. Komarov gets the loose puck. Goal. And he had 10 hits yesterday. 10. And after that one four check where he threw the body and got the puck away and it led to a goal, he made a very similar similar play. Not three minutes later, and it almost led to another goal. I think Pajol just flubbed on the shot.
1: I'll I, I I'll have to look through some video to see, and and maybe we'll tweet it out from the the uh, the podcast account. But mm-hmm. there were there were a number of times, very noticeable instances where the Flyers defense shied away from playing the puck along the boards behind their own net. Heard the footsteps. They, they heard the footsteps. And this was like <laughs> kind of early in the game yeah. where Islander forwards, I don't even know if it was, i might have been Brock Nelson. You know, like the Islanders forwards just kind of play a, a heavy game. Can't believe we're saying this about an Islander team. Because um, <laughs> it's its more than that fourth line now. The, yeah. the whole team plays very physically. Um, and like I said, it's led to a lot of those chances. I. There's one play in particular. I don't know if it was Provorov or somebody else, but they they heard the footsteps and they shied away from it and the the forward like didn't even need to actually throw the hit. I think they missed the hit, but they got the puck. Right. And the Oilers gained control. And earlier this season, um 3 years ago, but earlier this season there was a, there when the Oilers went the miss of their their uh, winning streak um and, and Mike Kelly also commented on this, that the Islanders dump the puck, dump and chase the puck more than any other team. Yeah. Um, but when you have forwards that are dedicated to playing physically um, or speedy players like Barzal and Pajot and, and, and Barzal, you're going to get the puck back. And their retrieval is great. Um, and especially if you're going to, you know, scare the other team's defensemen. And the Flyers' defense is not, they're not small. It's not like it's a bunch of Carlson. That guy Sanheim is like 6'5", I think. Some of them are absolute monsters. Monsters. They're monsters. And I don't know. That that speaks well. I I think that's, um, you know, coaches. My coach coach used to say, you know, hit them early and often and make them make a mistake. Make them make a bad play. And it speaks to, yeah, the Islanders are playing really well, but they're making teams play bad. Right was a, ghost. That's a very good point. He, they didn't give him room out there. Like, where was he gonna where, when did he have when, you know, outside of that second period? Um, and look, if he's playing if he's not playing well, he's not playing well. Right. That happens. Travis Barzal Kip, doesn't he, always play well. You know, but you have the rest of your team, you have a deep team to kinda of pick up the slack. Um when Bavillier wasn't scoring, Barzal was scoring or Pajot was scoring right. a goal, or someone was chipping in. Look, your team's not good, your team's not good. Honestly, without playing yet. I don't know what, I don't know what you want. Say. Travis connecting is a 30 goal scorer. Did you notice him out there? Yes, he, he definitely had his chances, but like I said, it was him and Vorchek. and that's um, it. And that's it.
0: They're, they're really, well there, you know. oh, right. He's on the flyers.
1: Well, uh, they, for, for a moment, uh, Vigneault put together Voracek, Drew and, and, um, Couturier. Yeah. Um, just to try to get something going. Yeah, but then you're kind of taken away from there from at least the one of the line, you know. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if if John uh, James Van Riems, like gets into the lineup and that third line gets a boost, and then he's kind of playing well. He was out to make sure. Right, he was a healthy scratch, so to make sure that he stays in the lineup, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts playing out of his mind. Yeah, um, at least physically, just to like, get things going. And he's not a small guy either. Oh no. Um, and I think there were some instances in that second period where um, that Islanders first line got pinned in pretty good yeah, yeah. Uh, in their own zone. And that seems to be the weak, their weak spot. Um, Nick Letty was out there for over three minutes. I think that first line was out there for over a minute. Maybe it was a minute 45. Um, so when the Flyers do get the puck and they can control it, the Islanders are going to be in trouble if they, if they can't yeah. figure it out. I think for the most part, outside of that middle frame, they did you know, they did absorb and kind of bounce back pretty quickly or you know, they got a couple of shots against and they they let it go, but um for a tenth straight game they didn't allow more than thirty shots. Yeah, that's a so the huge, huge thing. And not quality chances. So Yeah. Um, you know, they did it with the Capitals who I don't know. I think they have a you know, if you're just looking at it on paper, I think they have a better team than the Flyers. So yeah, not to just say like, Oh, the Islanders are just gonna win this series four to one. I I hope they do. Um I just hope they win the series. I don't care if it goes fifteen games. They yeah. I hope they just win the series. So I I'm yeah, yeah picking how many games is irrelevant to me. I just you know I think they can win and I hope they can win. That's right. about as far as I'm gonna go with that. Um I know you you told me I you know they won last night, you're like, oh, I'm four. Yeah. <laughs> You had
0: said to me uh, before the series, What do do you got? Uh, I have Islanders in six. And I was like, I think it goes seven. I think that the, although I, you know, I went on the record saying that I think the uh, Capitals have, you know, maybe some more talent, but I think the Flyers are a little deeper. I think they can roll four lines, whereas uh, the Capitals are top heavy. Uh, So I think that's a difference in this series. However, um. After after that third period, I was like, "Forget it, Islanders in four. They're they're a wagon. Jump on. Let's go."
1: Yeah, I mean, I I say I say Islanders in six. I think just because I think it'll you know, we we do need to see this team bounce back from more than one loss in a series. Yeah, no, it's I agree. gonna get hard. It's gonna get harder from here. And yes. like like I said, I don't like making that prediction. I don't know that it has any kind of like weight bearing on it. Yeah, it doesn't have any weight or anything. Um. I don't want to see them lose if they can close that in four games. The more power to them, but yeah. they will lose a game, and they will lose more than one game in a series. Yeah, if if they are going to go on to play a, the Boston Bruins in the conference final, Yeesh. um, that's a tough matchup, and they're or even the Lightning, they're going to lose more than one game.
0: They yeah, might I, even lose I, the I first agree.
1: two games, or they might be down two one. You know, like going into game 4 like they they've shown the resilience they've shown that they can bounce back from a loss but they've been much better than these other teams yeah. and you play a bad game and they win that's one thing um and they figure it out like the capitals played a good game they weren't great but they played a pretty good game yeah um the the panthers too a couple of mistakes you pounce on mistake all the credit in the world they won the game uh, you know yeah. i can't take that away from them um it's one thing when, like, a lot of older Islander teams that we used to watch where the other team would make a mistake and the Islanders couldn't find the rest in their elbow. Um, they, they, you know, that's a different story. When the other team is making mistakes and you still can't capitalize. But, yeah, it's going to happen both ways. Um, you know, the better team winds up winning the majority of the games. And you drop a game here and there. But when – and it might happen in this series. Flyers, like I said, they played a good regular season. They, they came into the bubble they were rolling. Um, yeah. Although, I will say, the result yesterday shouldn't surprise anybody considering they didn't play that great against Montreal. They won that series 4-2. to Correct. And in that last game, the, the, the Flyers didn't necessarily beat the Canadians. The Canadians just couldn't finish. Harder Hart kind of stood on his head. Um. Yeah. The Canadians lost that game more than the Flyers won, and I know that uh, sounds a little hypocritical considering what we're you know how we're kind of talking, but um, yeah, you know the Flyers just kind of like held on for dear life. The Islanders are scoring three goals and they're up three to one in a game, shutting it down defensively um, and keeping the puck in the offensive zone. It's a very different thing than just kind of like throwing up a prayer, which we kind of seen the Islanders do within the last couple seasons. You know they're winning a the game two to one, and we're just like white-knuckling it to the end. Um, <laughs> and that looked like what the Flyers were doing. They just white-knuckled that series to wins and victories and didn't particularly look good doing it. It was just that, you know, the Habs aren't great. I think mean, they have a great uh, foundation. They have, you know, Nick Suzuki and, and some of these players are, are phenomenal. Kockiniemi? Yeah, Kockiniemi is really good. He's a good kid. You know, they do still have Carey Price. They do still have a Shea Weber when he's healthy. Yeah. Um, and he was the have, whole series. They do have a Jeff Petrie. I don't know if he's UFA or not. Petrie, um, Petrie. Petri. Um, you know, the, the, it's, not, it's not, you know, all doom and gloom in, in Habs country. But um, back to this series, yeah, I think that second period's rough. Um, I know you, you had a point about Trotz not really loving the play despite the, you know, kind of convincing yeah. three, four nothing with an Asterix win.
0: Yeah, so Trotz went on record today. Uh, article by Andrew Gross of Newsday, uh, saying that although, you know, it was a good win, he didn't necessarily love the team's play. Um, and he expects a better performance, uh, in game two. Now, uh, Elaine Vignot, 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 uh, that, that's it, right? Vignot, I, I got not, that. Not a, fr- not a French guy. That's funny. <laughs> uh, he doubled down on the comment, uh, and basically said he's like you know I I didn't think the four nothing score indicated how close the game really was, so Island's got a couple of good chances they capitalized and that's great, um, but you know we saw in that second period that uh, Capitals when they if and when they feel the need they have to make a push and put some pressure on they can take control and they could really dictate the play. So uh, one thing that we really got to talk about uh, and, and we've talked about this before, but how bad was that Barzell penalty?
1: He keeps making kind of these bad decisions. I don't. Who swings their stick like that?
0: And and give him credit. He was he was definitely concerned after he you know for Derek Grant after he did it. He went over to him. He's like, I'm so sorry. It wasn't. I, yeah, I, I because did not mean. Derek to
1: Grant you. has hundred pounds on him. He's gonna <laughs> mush him into the boards. Of course, he's gonna apologize.
0: Yeah, but I you know. I will give him credit for recognizing what he did. But again, you know, uh, he is he's a difference maker, right? If Barzell's not on this team. The Islanders are not as good as they are, but he's still learning. You know, people forget he's still only 23. He's got a lot to learn still, and, and he has some discipline issues. You know, we spoke about last week. He took two really bad penalties that led to that game four loss against the Capitals. Two holding penalties within a five-minute span. This game, he takes a, a, a really bad high-sticking penalty, whacks Derek Grant in the freaking face. It could have easily deflated the Islanders.
1: Easily. Yeah. And then, you know, they did um, they did kill it off. The PK has been pretty good, luckily. Yeah, luckily. Um, it's, it's that power play that, thank God they don't need it, that five-on-five. Again, I can't believe we're saying this about the honors. Thank God 5-on-5, five five, they, they can score some goals. Um, and they're not depending on their power play to to win games. Eventually, that will bite them in the ass. Yeah. They, they totally. do need to figure that out. If they yeah. do make it out of this... It, I say keep make it out of this round. There's still you know a lot of hockey left. It will matter in this series. They will lose a game or more than one game because, of they, because they don't score in the power play. Yeah.
0: Uh, so game two coming today, uh, later on today, game, uh, game two against the Flyers three o'clock Eastern standard time, hopefully we'll be having a brew in Oyster Bay Brewery or at Oyster outside of Oyster Bay Brewery, not in, that would be not legal at the moment, but, uh, you know, that, that, uh, we're looking forward to to doing that. One other thing I wanted to say before we, we hop off of this podcast tonight, um, so, rumor floating around out there, the Flames are getting ready to do some surgery on their roster, and Johnny Gajros' name is floating around out there. It's been floating around. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's and it's becoming more and more of a thing.
1: Is he? Is he from
0: New Jersey? He is from New Jersey.
1: Um. I don't know, what was his contract look like? Does he have a couple of years left? Is two it... years left, I believe. I don't know, flat cap, two years? That sounds like a really good opportunity to me. It does, um, and I think he's only making like $6 million a year. I mean, I think that the Islanders need to do some shuffling themselves. Um, I think we we knew that with Barzal's contract, <laughs> with Pulak's contract, with Tase's contract. Sure, yeah. Um trying to figure out what you do with a, the with a boy Chuck, which um, as necessary as it, like somebody's five or $6 million contract needs to go. It's, yeah. it's just in general. Forget about to bring in a good draw. But I, that would break my heart, honestly. This guy over the last, when did he get here? 14, 15 season? He has given everything to this team. Yeah, and I don't like how easy it is that people just say like, "Oh, we got you know, we got to move a guy," and it's a business and all that stuff. But I, the how is just different. I mean, I think as fans were different. Um, yeah, and not just the the crazy kind of different. That's <laughs> really like you know we're part of the team and a community type of different. Yeah, and um. You know, Letty made some really great heads-up plays yesterday. Boychuk made some. You know, he's always been. He's given his body for this team. Yeah. Totally. Over and over again, without, uh, you know, batting an eye when he could, when it wasn't cut open by a skate blade. You know, like he yeah. just, you know, gave everything for for this team to get them get them to where they are and. I understand the playoffs and where it is, and that might be a little bit of you know, kind of go, circling back to the beginning of the podcast. I understand why Flurry gets a little pissed because, um, and his agent too, he brings him to the playoffs and he doesn't get a chance to kind of finish the ride. And sometimes that right. happens. But yeah. if I'm if I'm Boychuk, um, first of all, I think Boy Chuck is rallying these boys every night after these wins. Oh yeah, I think he's giving them the energy. He's give, you know, he's got the experience and all this stuff. I think. He's obviously upset, but there, you know, he is probably such an amazing presence on that team, and that's why it's even harder to think to have him not be there. Yeah. You know, when the when the going gets tough, I, you know, I just see him. There, some hockey players are just very vanilla. I want to go get a beer with him, so bad. It would be, I bet it would be so much fun. Yeah. And uh, you know, so to make these kinds of moves. Um, when when you hear the team is having such a good time together in the bubble and they're really relishing the moment to kind of be together, um, it's hard to think of anybody leaving. As much as some of these contracts hurt, um, so I'm sure you know beginning of next season will be like, "Come on. but you know, <laughs> get them out, <laughs> get him out of here." But you know, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's hard to um, it's hard to think about who has to go and. At the end of the day, you bring someone like Goudreau in, and you do bring back an Andy Green, and you have a Noah Dobson, um, and maybe you suddenly, find a way to shuffle some things around and get some young guys in there.
0: Suddenly uh, things are a lot. I mean, and think about how good they're playing now. Well? That's what I'm saying. Who, what's, who's a better fit for Matt Barzell than Johnny Goudreau, a 30 goal scorer who also has wheels?
1: Yeah, and then I see, um, you know, and that for, the thing is the first line is playing really well, right? Lee finally found his game late in that. um, Spectacular. But, you know. How about that smile? Lee Peugeot, Komarov doesn't sound like the worst thing in the whole world. Does it? Or even Ross Johnson. And uh, Goudreau, Barzel, and and Aberlee. That's the most offensive line. Oh, my God. (laughs) That wasn't a power play line. I'm drooling. That's also a power play line. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I fully expect.
0: I fully expect Kamarov to be a healthy scratch most of the time next year like he was towards the end of the regular season. Um, I'm thinking more a third line of Lee, Pajel, Wallstrom, which would be...
1: He, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about how Trotz and will play, you know, get... Dow Cole's still around. He, You forget he got a shot yeah. in Game 5, and um, that's a big deal. I mean, listen, um, here's
0: here's the way I'm thinking, you know, it might shake out. I, I do know that in, in the talks of Johnny Gajol might be shipped out. They're looking to address the center position. And I don't know, um, you know, how young they're looking to get none of the four centers that we have in the lineup currently are going anywhere They're right. They're going to be through and through the centers for the next foreseeable future. Uh, but, why not now ship out a guy like Otto Coivola Who he's pretty he's backlogged now. Where, where's it going to go? He's a center. I mean, he's a he's a winger turned center, but he had more success at the center position according to the organization. So maybe the Flames take a stab at a guy like Otto Koyvila. Maybe you package Bellows, give them you know a couple of young guys if they're looking Koivula. to get a little younger. Coivola Bellows, give him Bod- throw Bodie Wild in there. The defense is looking pretty well, uh, pretty good right now, you know, and then a pick or something. I don't know. Go get Johnny Goudreau.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah, we're going, we're going back and forth on, on that. Like, go, whatever <laughs> it takes. And also, like, get the, him. Our, I mean, you know, Letty, Letty Koivula for Goudreau and another prospect, like a lower level prospect or something, or uh, a, maybe a pick. Uh, um, you know, try to get one of those contracts out. But every time I see Letty get out of the zone with the puck, I'm like, how how do we not have? How can we not have this guy in there? Why are
0: you guys all just saying get rid of him? He does so much right. I think a lot of people still hang on to that season that he had a minus forty something. Let it go. Plus minus is a bogus stat. It's a team game, and that's an individual. The whole team upgrade. was terrible. Exactly. The whole team was terrible. Plus minus is an individual stat for a team game that he could have been unlucky forty nine times and had been on the ice. With, in a play that had absolutely nothing to do with him,
1: so uh, yeah he was, he was in, uh, you know out there in most situations against the other team's top right, players and that's on a team that couldn't play team defense um, the goalies were leaky. Uh, yeah, you were it was a recipe for disaster. I don't know who you I don't know who you get rid of on the on the back end to make that work because I don't think Calgary takes a Johnny boy truck. I, I think he's too old. I think he's too expensive, no, you're right. They yeah. you know, so I don't know how you do that. I think you have to kind of sacrifice that. I mean, And then awesome. you also have to consider what you may lose in the expansion draft. If you're going to give up right. something in a trade and then also expo- expose uh, Scott Mayfield, ooh, be down Letty and Mayfield yeah. with an older boy, Chuck, uh, maybe an Andy Green and a young Noah Dobson who may- would be in his second or third, like, ooh, uh, I, I don't think Lou Emerald lets that happen. I don't think Trot let that happen no so that's it's a tough call i don't i don't know how you just kind of um do that maybe it's their island is a little bit deeper in the you know uh, although the athletic rankings came out for for like kind of like overall team and depth and all that kind of stuff and prospects um and they were like 28th which isn't great but um I don't, I don't know what you give up that makes sense for Goudreau, who's 28-something?
0: 26. Uh,
1: 26. Okay, that, that's different. So you got four years of them. Um, yeah, he'll be, he'll be 27 hope, next year. You better hope a Bo- Bold Wild or any one of those guys in four years doesn't start hitting their stride at 23 yeah. or 22 and make us look bad because, yeah, yikes, Like that doesn't... Um, I don't know. That, that wouldn't sit well with me. Now, when a cup with Goudreau, you easily forget about that. Although, look at look at the Caps winning a cup two years ago and then where they are and how upset the Caps fans are. I kind of want the team to just be pretty good for a long time. I want them to be one of these, like, Penguins yeah. teams, Bostons, where they're making the, at least, you know, the conference well, finals yeah. and things like that on a regular basis. So, I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't want them to be a one and done. Yeah, um, you, it's funny because we're sitting state.
0: here, we're sitting here saying like, "Oh, you know, you lose this guy and that guy. You know, maybe they're not so good anymore." But at, at the same time, in the same breath, I could easily say because we said it earlier, it doesn't matter who Barry Trotz puts in the lineup; they're all performing. <laughs> so,
1: it's eh. true. I I think on defense, that's where they really are truly a deep team. Yeah, there on the current roster, and then moving, you know. If everything stays intact. So for the yeah. last two years, you largely have, you know, the same team overall outside of a few pieces here and there. But that defense just plays well together. Right. There's a lot of chemistry there. Even, you know, Letty and Green have played really well together. Yeah. Um, so I think that that um, that speaks volume and they're all homegrown talent. They all want to be there. They're all signing up yeah. to be there. Hopefully, I hopefully Pulak signs up to be there. Yeah. Um I think that speaks to kind of like or leads us in any way to something I was thinking about um, you know, game between game two and three with uh with the back to back. Um I don't think Varlamov unless he has a really terrible game in game two, I think he stays in net for both games. Yeah. Um I'm wondering about an Andy Green. I'm wondering about if if, you know, we see a Dal Cole or Kunakle or um Oh, brassard kind of sneak into that third line and um how trots may kind of not I want to say mess with the chemistry but potentially mess with the chemistry or something like that sees how they're rolling um what do you think about at least in andy green like does do you think he has it in him for back to back
0: yeah i mean i i don't see it, it really all hinges on how tomorrow or tonight's game goes um I I think a major factor here is that it's a three o'clock start Wednesday and then a seven o'clock start Thursday. So it's a little more than 24 hours between um, between games. So I think that do they have a a good game on Wednesday, Thursday? You'll see the same lineup. I think if you you have a a hard game on Wednesday, you see a different lineup uh, Thursday. I don't see Vorlamov coming out. Uh, dis- win or lose. As right. for Andy, Andy Green, uh, and maybe a couple of the older guys, that's a possibility. I could see maybe giving, you know, Green, Green a day's rest and putting Boychuk in. Uh, maybe Kamarov will sit and Dacol will go in, or something like that. You know, time will tell.
1: Um, I think what's now that I'm thinking about it a little bit, I wonder. Not only is so th- I think it's really a good point that you made. Three o'clock start and then a seven o'clock start, so it's a little more than twenty four hours. But this isn't necessarily a back to back where there's any travel, so and you're then, not getting yes. you're not getting in. You're not playing a seven o'clock game. It's ending at nine thirty. You're getting out of the rink maybe at ten thirty. Yes. you're flying somewhere, getting in at one a.m. Um, it's blah not blah the blah, same. blah. You're kind of going right back, and um, you know, it's not like Wrestling. you're going back and and having a couple pops. You know, you're probably you know relaxing the rest of that game you know, that evening you're watching a game um making sure you're getting your rest you're, you're you have time to eat right yeah um and you don't have to worry about getting on a bus or going on a plane or getting into another hotel you're just kind of in that so in that case the bubble may be really good for them exactly, as far as yeah. the rest is concerned so um definitely an advantage but it's an advantage that both teams have yeah true so yeah you, you, you have to look at it that way i don't see carter hart coming out um no is Leighton in the backup there? Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott. Layton. Jeez, that was like a ten-year-old reference think, there. That'd be embarrassing runner. Runner. <laughs> if that was a hockey. I think, yeah, that would be embarrassing if this was a hockey podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, Brian Elliott. Jeez, Brian Elliott's even still around. Good for him.
0: Yeah, and he honestly, uh, there was a point. Uh, at some point this, the, during the season, Carter Hart was struggling, and Brian Elliott actually was playing pretty good. well. He's a good goaltender. Um, he's on his last uh year of his contract there, and a lot of uh, a lot of indicators point
1: to, to Thomas Grice possibly going there. Thomas Grice, I will have you know, of all the players in the league, um, that will have their pickings and probably get a good contract despite the current cap situation. I think he's in pretty good shape. If I'm his yeah, agent, so. um, you know, I'm I'm looking at my because there's a yeah. lot of t- the, And an Edmonton Oilers would love to have a Thomas Grice. Yeah. Um they I think they have some some room. There there's a couple of teams that um that need the help. Even the Habs pick him up as a backup, they finally get carry Price some That would be a um, good idea. Some they should never let they should have never let Halak go. Yeah, I mean that you're then you're looking at, you know, a ten year old uh Thing there too, and then he goes and plays well at the caps. and Yeah, um, you know, I think the uh Oilers would would probably go all in
0: on Braden Holby. That's just my guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Rice and Holby are around the same age, but then a oh well, no, no, uh, Holby's a couple a little, years uh, younger. Grice is around, I think he's 35. 35. Yeah, something 33, 35, 33, like 35. So, yeah, I mean, you get a short deal, but you can get some money, and, and he'll have somewhere to play next year for sure. And it, for sure. again, uh, heartbreaking to see a guy, again, that, you know, was with the Ones thick and thin and helped them get to where they are and shared that yeah. trophy last year with Leonard. And, um, you know, he, Grice may have a spot. You know, Vegas still needs a backup. Leonard has a one-year contract. They may bring him back. Yeah, um, Chicago, Chicago still needs some help there. Corey Crawford isn't gonna, you know, he's not always playing his best. Um, yeah, I, I think Rice will find a way to get paid despite his age. He he just played really well the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's about it for this week, John.
0: Pretty uh, pretty a, a longer one there. No no guests this week, but uh, lots to talk about. We want to thank uh, Oyster Bay Brewing Company again for sponsoring this episode. Make sure to. Follow them on social media at Oyster Bay Brewing, No G at the end of brewing. Uh, and pick up a barn rocker for the game tonight. Game two, Islanders Flyers. It's not really tonight. It's this afternoon, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, may or may not be on Hot Mike. We will keep you posted on that. But until then, uh, you guys can follow us on Instagram at Nassim Hockey, on Twitter at Nassim Hockey. You can follow me personally at James Nichols NYI. John, where can they find you? At John Zella. Just no H some, and John. No H and John, that's right. <laughs> and until next time, guys, let's go, Islanders.